From the Sunshine State, this is Tampa Bay's 10 Talk. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. They called him Elegant John, and he was one heck of a trucker. Like all truckers, he had a dream. I worked all my life. I've driven all across the country. All I want to do is make one last run. One last perfect run carrying load all the way across country. And Elegant John was going to make that dream come true, even if it meant breaking through. The Great Smoky Roadblock, in a stolen truck filled with ladies of dubious background and doubtful reputation. Elegant John set out on the wildest cross-country trailer truck chase in the history of the American highway. Two more states and we are home free. Sometimes there was a little detour. My God! There's more than one way to skin a possum. Leave me alone now. Leave me alone. I'm, I'm married. Ain't nobody that married. If you know what I mean. The Great Smoky Roadblock stars Henry Fonda. Bad cowboy. You get in my way again, I'll kill you. You hear me? Eileen Brennan. You will never take us alive. That smoking marijuana would make you crazy. John Viner as crazy Bobby Appers. Doug Taylor. And Dana House as Leslie. Fasten your seatbelts, turn on that CD, and get ready for the death-defying ride of a lifetime. Get ready for the ride that would forever abolish the Great Smoky Roadblock. It's the fanciest trucking you've ever seen. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hello, this is the annoying Jay Leno, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Right on your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the archive page. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty That's good. NostalgicRadioCars.com. That's right. Well, pretty nice little website. Yeah. Well, now the first thing I want to tell everybody is that Jay Leno will be appearing 
in Clearwater this coming Thursday at the Ruth Ackert Hall. So our good friend will be here. But you're working and I'm working. So Yeah, busy I, people. Busy people. And then, uh, so if you get a chance, I think there are still some tickets available. And I think next week he's going to be in Tampa. Bobby, why don't you check that real quick? Because I think he's doing a couple of dates uh, here in Florida. Flo- is it Hard Rock? A couple of Floridia dates. Anyway, okay, so what's going on here in the next couple of weeks? Well, obviously, we've got uh, a number of the local car shows and stuff like that. This weekend is uh, in Naples is Cars on the 5th. I think there's an auction down there. I may, may go down there. This past weekend, I was at uh, in Miami, and I was at the Motor Car Cavalcade. And that was pretty spectacular. I don't it was think the, people in Adventura like to be called Miami. I don't know, but oh, Adventura. Uh, excuse it's, 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 me. It's kind of like I think it's kind of like like Nona in Orlando. Oh, really? And the funny part is, like Nona is most definitely in within the city limits of Orlando. But just saying, I don't know those people down there. But I'm just I'm just saying. Well, now it's interesting that you mentioned that because I remember I was talking to some people, and when they were on the stage. They put a lot of emphasis on, is it Eventura? Is that what you called Eventura. it? Eventura. Yeah. And uh, so, and I guess Turnberry, is that a community there as well? Or is that, uh, I'm not sure how that, but it was well, at the, the country club. Okay. So. That's what it is. Okay. So it was the JW Marriott Turnberry, if I'm correct on it. And I thought it was a fairly recent, you know, a new property, but apparently it's been around for a long time because when I walked into the, uh, uh, I don't want to say clubhouse, the, um, let's just say the, the lounge. I saw all these really cool old pictures of all these old, well-known celebrities, you know, like the Rat Pack and people like that. So I thought, huh, interesting. So I started doing a little read-up on it, and it's been around. So it was recently acquired by JW, Marriott Association, and uh, it was remodeled. So they did a very nice job. It's a nice facility, very traditional, very nice location. But, you know, everything's just overgrown. I mean, it's kind of like one of those where you drive the whole East Coast down there, the whole Gold Coast, if you want to call it that. You know, West Palm Beach is a Broward's the next one down. And then Dade, is that the way it is, Bobby? That's correct. And uh, they, it's just like wall-to-wall buildings. You know, you go down Federal Highway, US-1, I guess, whatever they call it, or um, and then A1A, which is, which is on the beach, right? Yep. Um, it's just, it's all interconnected, but it's either, you know, building after building after building after building. I mean, there's just no green areas down there. But they are spending a ton of money revitalizing a lot of that stuff. Now, there's a gentleman that's building a project down there, and it's called, he did it a few years ago, Deezer, I think, Deezer, Deezer, something like that. Remember the Porsche building we looked at down there? Okay, well, now Aston Martin's building one. So basically, these are mega skyscrapers, if you will, on the beach um, with like three, four, five thousand square foot condominiums. But you basically have an elevator. You can drive your car in there, if it's a Porsche brand, and the upcoming Aston Martin, and you can take your vehicle all the way up to the top, and it just, it's like, it parks there in your apartment, on your floor, so you can keep tabs on it, I guess, you know. I don't know. I, I, anyway. More like a tower heist type thing. That's, that's the only, exactly the only way, yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. only way you're going to get a car yeah, out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only way you're going to get a car, piece by piece, you know. Piece but at any rate, so I'm looking forward to this. I'd like to get the developer on. That's who we're working to get a developer on and talk about a little bit. But anyway, one of the big events coming up here, obviously, is Amelia Island. That's in March. And But another spectacular event that's taking place here in a couple of weeks is the ninth Annual Truck Show. In Leesburg, Florida. Now, Bobby, you know where Leesburg is, right? We've been Very there. Well. It's good, our, our good our friends over at Lake County. And it's at the Paquettes Museum. And um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to have a couple people on the show tonight. We're going to talk about 
vintage trucks. We're going to have a gentleman, a representative on from the American, uh, the Antique Truck Club of America. And it should be pretty exciting because, you know, there's a lot of correlations between cars and trucks. And most of us have pickup trucks. I have a pickup truck and a rollback and a few things like that. Um, but trucks are pretty cool. Now, I went with uh, a friend of mine many years ago, started going to some of the events with the uh, Vintage Truck Club of America. And I got to tell you, it's pretty cool. Now, I, you know, you think of the big Peter Bills, the big KWs, and obviously the classic Mac, okay? And, uh, but there was a movie that came out in the 70s. It was called White Line Fever, and it featured, um, can't think of his name right now, but uh, he was driving a Ford, I think it was an LT9000, which is basically a big cab over Ford trucks. And I'll tell you what, when you look at a cab over truck, whether it's a Ford, whether it's an international, whether it's a KW, they look like an old school hot rod truck. So if trucks came in hot rods, or had to look like a hot rod, it would be a cab over. But anyway, I'm delighted to welcome the show. Our first guest for the evening is the president of the Vintage Truck Club of Florida, uh, Jojo Zelinski. Jojo, how you doing, buddy? Good evening. Hello. How are you? Well, thanks for hanging out with us here a little bit. I was just talking about uh, cab overs and how they kind of, to me, look like potential hot rod trucks. So, uh, but you uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, the Vintage Truck Club of Florida. Vintage Trucks of Florida is a <coughs> local chapter of the National Ant Truck uh, Correction Antique Truck Club of America. And, um, you know, it's all about getting together with people with similar hobbies. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, Jerry uh, Grizel was on our show last year. And, uh, and you know, when I first met Jerry and a couple of the other guys over there, when I went, used to hang out with you guys and you and IG and everybody, I thought everybody just had trucks. But when I went over to Jerry's house, he had not only trucks, he had motorcycles, a slew of cars, pickup trucks. So... Big. Tr- the only thing that changes is just the size of our toys. That's pretty much what it boils down to. A- absolutely. My family has a huge history in trucking, and I don't know, it's in our blood. It's, it's something that we had all the time, and we appreciate it. Now, tell us a little bit. You're, um, you, you're over there in Orlando, and tell us a little bit about Lou. Is it, is it D. Bardini? Did I pronounce that right? De Berardinus. De Berardinus. Okay, tell us a little bit about Lou's collection, because you're involved with that. Yeah, Lou De Berardinus is my cousin and nephew, and um, we've been building a collection of trucks probably over the past 20 years. Um, started out with working vintage trucks to very early, early 20s models that um, are just too nice to work anymore. So in the collection, they the, and last year I had a chance to, to my favorite truck is that Mac you have the old one there that's uh, was kind of repowered a little bit and and it's got a kind of a conventional transmission in it you know the really kind of edgy looking one but it's kind of neat because it's totally unrestored. That is what yeah. what what is that one again? That's um, a it's one of 20 1937 Mac ACs uh-huh. that was powered at birth with the Cummings diesel. Okay. Uh, 1937 Mac was not available in a diesel. And the Terracamo family realized the value of diesel for trucking and insisted had a diesel fleet. 
and this is one of 20 trucks left that's unrestored. Okay. Now, take us through the process. So a lot of my guys, my listeners, are car guys, and we know about unrestored cars, survivor cars, and slightly modified cars. So how does that translate into the truck world? Well, I think it's very similar. Um, It's the same passion. Um, There's different levels of restoration from a perfect original how it was born to... Uh, survivors like this one and and everything in between so the uh the if i was if i recall my history i'm trying to think and i will probably have uh doug come on in a little bit here and um so he'll share some stories too about the history of the trucks but if i remember correctly the story was that cummings put a Somebody, either he put it, the motor in a Packard or some sort of relationship there, and then he drove a diesel, uh, a Cummings-powered Packard, if I remember my history right, across the country to emphasize how reliable that the diesel engine is and can be. And you know, in 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 the in the in the trucking world or in the in the transportation world, because I think before that. A lot of the trucks ran on petrol engines, right? I mean, diesel engines weren't really used that much. Gasoline was the uh, power choice or fuel choice Uh originally, and it wasn't until the refinement of the motors and being able to handle the compression of the diesel for ignition that they became more popular. Okay. Now, one of the trucks that you have over there, which is one I know IG's favorite, is the Brockway. Tell us a little bit about the Brockway and a little history on Brockway. Well, um, I may be not so versed, but I'm okay. Gonna, <laughs> uh, Brockway started out a family business building cabinets and, um, like, carriages. Like carpenters, basically. Uh-huh. And um, they've evolved into the trucking industry, manufacturing early trucks back in the 1900s, early 1900s. Um, and I could be wrong, and Doug could probably correct me, but they might even be earlier than Mack trucks. And um, over the years, they produced trucks. And in about 1956, Mack bought out Brockway trucks and let it run independently up until 77 when they closed the doors. Oh, really? I, so yep. Mac owned them then? Mac owned them for from 56 to 77. Oh, interesting. Tell us about some of the other um, collect trucks in, uh, in your collection over there, because um, the, th- the thing about the trucks is what impressed me is trucks are big, the parts are big, and they're heavy. And the amount of time that it takes to restore those, let's say, versus a car, I mean, you have to put just as much effort and research into making sure you've got the correct period parts for these vehicles, as well as reassemble them the way they were. In some cases, most of the time, like yours, were better than where they rolled off the showroom floor. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's very parallel to restoring cars, except you got six or ten tires. You got bigger brakes. You got bigger bar- wheel bearings, bigger seals. You know everything is is much larger. Springs, spring hangers, uh, 
sheet metal panels, fenders. You know, it's it's very parallel, but greater, like you said, larger, harder. <laughs> Excuse me. The parts on there are just as big, but when you when you when you're doing the restoration, as far as the finish and the detail, it's every bit as good as if you're doing a collector car. Yeah, well, we take a lot of pride in that and try and try and make it either either useful for us, usable, or original. Okay. I think we have Doug uh, Maney on the phone. I'm going to go ahead and introduce Doug. Doug is the uh, director of the Antique Truck Club of America, and he's also the curator at the Mac, Mu- Mac, Historical, Mac Truck Historical Museum. D- Doug, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fine. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. I was picking JoJo's brain, and we were talking a little bit about vintage trucks, and he said, well, when, when, when Doug gets on, he can probably uh, share a little bit more uh, light on the on some of the historical aspects of it. But uh, since we're talking about Max, and, and I was talking about this one that they have over there, um, I think it was a 1937 AC, if I'm correct yep. on it. Okay, and it's got a... Caracamo truck. Yeah. That, I, I, felt, I got to drive that just around the property in the back, and I fell in love with that. I just thought that that was just a really cool, that's my style of truck, it's original, unrestored, but what was interesting about it, the fact that it was repowered, but done back then. So take us a little bit through the history of, of, of Mack Truck, the inception and their evolution and where they are today. Oh, my. The, well, uh, in, in one sentence. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's impossible. Um, just a note on that Terracombo truck. That is a phenomenal piece. I am so happy that uh, those folks got that truck and have preserved it to what it is rather than completely redoing the whole thing and making it you know, one of those show pieces. It is a show piece the way it is. It can only be original once. Well, that's what struck me about that, because they have one that is restored and Absolutely. is a stunning truck. But that one that we're talking about, the Terragama truck, that is just, just the way it is. It's fine. It uh, it was on display in the Mac Museum for a year or so uh-huh. in, its, in its current condition. And it just... Uh, it was uh, it was a it was a, a tour stopper that's for sure. So, but, all right, real, real quick, where is the uh, Mac Museum? Where's it located for our listeners? Downtown Pennsylvania. Um, it is right now closed because of all the situation going on, and we're taking the opportunity to do some renovations and such while travel restrictions and all that good things. Okay. Um, <laughs> the history of Mac. Um, Officially, the Mack brothers, uh, Jack and Gus, started building vehicles officially in 1900. Really? And, yes. And uh, prior to that, tried uh, steam, tried some electric, uh, just weren't real happy with the turnout of those vehicles, and uh, settled on the internal combustion engine, and in 1900, completed the first bus. They built buses specifically till 1905, when they relocated from Brooklyn, New York, to Allentown, Pennsylvania, and expanded their line into trucks. From that point on, they uh, focused on buses and trucks, uh, up through expanding, of course, the size of vehicles, uh, war, the war efforts, World War One, World War Two, uh, really. Uh, boosted their their business because of the support of the uh, service services 
and uh, on up through. Of course, diesel introduction. I heard you talking about that into the you know thirty seven. Um, those Terracamo trucks were built without engines and delivered to Terracamo without engines. Terracamo put the Cummins engines in those trucks. Hmm. So just it's a, that's an amazing story in itself. But uh, the uh, then on up through, of course, the expansion of uh, trucking. Um, Mac really led the way for many, many, many years with uh, the introduction of the B series trucks, the Thermodyne diesel engine, the R series trucks, the Maxidyne engine concept. Uh, just a, an incredible company through the years. Uh, just the there's so many patents and so many uh, industry standards that we use today that were invented by Mac that just get completely overlooked because they're just the norm. Mack trucks and their diesels, uh, I was mentioning to um, to JoJo a minute ago, I, if I remember the story, about, and I'm, I'm not, I, I wanna understand how many different types, now Mercedes had a diesel back in the day because obviously the diesel was developed by Mr. Diesel. Um, and I'm not sure if they were prevalent here in the United States or not, but Cummings was like one of the diesel, let's just say, innovators of his day, and then kind of like on the forefront. But if, if I remember the story, one of the big selling point was is that uh, he or somebody, I'm not sure if, how that worked, but the, deal, the arrangement was there, were, there was a Packard, and they put a diesel engine in it, and they drove from from point A, as well from the East Coast to the West Coast. And it was to prove a point how efficient and economical that a diesel motor could be, and and how strong and how stout. And do you know? Are you familiar with that story? Am, am I on point yeah. on that? Yes, you are. I okay. don't remember exactly the brand that it was in, and that escapes me as well. It could have been a Packard, but it it was a it was a you know of course a larger car. Most were at that time, but. Mm -hmm. uh, Yes, they traveled across the states to to prove the durability, to prove the the economy and dependability of the diesel engine. So, was what other what was the other competition back in the day, and what set Cummings, you know, out ahead of everybody else? Oh gosh, um, competition was, uh, for diesel. I guess as near as near to Cummins would have been. Of course, Mack introduced the diesel in '38. Okay. Um, Detroit Diesel uh, was very early on. Oh, was okay. Um, yeah, they had, uh, of course, the the the, the, the World War Two. The tank they had tanks that were powered by 671. Mm -hmm. um, so they were out prior to that. Uh, it, they were, you know, 671. The Detroit Diesel really uh, was the diesel engine of the era services for for world war for world war ii yes okay now when did companies like kenworth peterbilt um obviously we know about brockway a little bit here jojo shared that with us so when did some of these other um i'm trying to think uh some other truck my mind just went blank truck man yeah other truck manufacturers right <laughs> Uh, there was a federal Rio. Rio, right? Federal. Um, Sterling. Okay. You know, almost as many car manufacturers there were truck manufacturers. Yeah, in uh, in and around 1915 or so, there were 550 truck manufacturers in the United States. 
550 truck manufacturers? Yes. At the turn of the century, basically, or in the mid-teens there, really? Yeah, mid, mid-teens, yeah, from 10 up to 20. That's amazing. I would have never... Get, that's almost as many, if not more, than the automobile manufacturers. Well, when you think about it, each town had a need. Okay. This town had a manufacturer to build trucks to suit their need. The next town had a manufacturer that had built trucks to suit their need. So um, when we think of commerce and, 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 uh, and the trips that we run today, you know, I could leave here from Pennsylvania. I could be in Florida in two days now. But then I could leave from Pennsylvania and I could be three counties away in two days. Wow. So the road, the road. Right, exactly. You know, the, the, the vehicle maybe not being as dependable as what they are today. And, you know, just there's so many restrictions um, that, that they had to face that, uh, you know, the, the transportation of a, of a truck, you know, tracks were built in Allentown. Okay. They had a good following in the area. That expanded pretty well for Mac. But they had the name recognition where a, a federal in Michigan, they had a smaller distribution of vehicles um, because the name just didn't get out as much as, you know, the, the, the Mac name could. Uh, good uh, representation of that is Hendrickson, uh, Michigan truck, mm-hmm. mainly all circled in that Michigan, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois area, you see very few of them anywhere else. And they were built up into the 90s. Interesting. Yeah, just, you know, it's just so regional uh, and limited by transportation. (laughs) JoJo, um, give us a little background on yourself. Tell, tell, share with our listeners a little bit who you are, what you are, basically, and a little bit about your background. Okay, um, grew up in a family with trucks. Okay. Um, always had a love and passion for trucks and mechanical stuff. Uh-huh. Working, fixing, reverse engineering. Um, so so that gave me a depth knowledge on being capable of re- restoring things and bringing them back. Um, my main line, um, I grew up as an electrician, a supervisor, for different projects, and right now I'm managing a plant that manufactures concrete pavers. Okay, out of Orlando, out of Orlando, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay, and the name of the company is? You want to share that? Bedrock, Bedrock Orlando. Okay, great. Um, so, your passion then for these trucks? Is there anything? Are there are are because you, not only do you have uh, those classic and vintage trucks there, but uh, isn't uh, doesn't Lou's son also? He's got a, a heavy haul company there too. So basically, yeah. you got giant semis that move some interesting stuff around the state of Florida. Yeah, my nephew has a fleet of uh, heavy haul trucks. He does uh, contract moving, low boy work, heavy equipment moving, transporting of all size of equipment. Now, do I understand that uh, at one point you guys were uh, tasked with the uh, with the uh, opportunity to move something for NASA? Did I did I understand that correctly? I heard is that a rumor? Is that a there's a story there? Well, yeah, there was a um, 
a move last year about this time of uh, some equipment at the Space Center. Okay. And that's all you can say, because it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I got you. Okay. Well, no, no, because what we're trying to do is we want people to understand that, you know, the trucking industry, you know, and you guys that are collector guys are actually, many of you are in the business. So no different than us car guys, junkyard guys or dealers or whatever. A lot of us, you know, we're, we're collectors as well. So we're passionate. We're, we like, we're into the cars through and through. Just like you guys might be in the trucking industry or some aspect of manufacturing where trucks are required, but you're also into the collector side of it as well. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, Doug, give us a little background on yourself. Am I? Um, I grew up in central Pennsylvania where if you didn't do something truck related, you were out of work. So, oh, really? Um, yeah. I uh, grew up around, and then uh, my brother had a body shop and then went into rebuilding some trucks, and I was right along with that. Um, he started trucking then, helped out with that some. Realized I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. Uh, hit college and then went to a company that manufactured frame rails and suspension components for trucks and pickups and having vehicles. And then ended up with an uh, insurance company as a heavy equipment appraiser. And six years ago, I became curator of the Mack Trucks Historical Museum. Okay. Now, tell us a little bit about, let's talk a little bit about parts, because JoJo can chime in on this one, too. So when when we think of a car, a Ford truck, an F-250 or something like that, it rolls down the Ford assembly line, pretty much everything's Ford. Um, and in the old days, Ford Henry Ford's belief was, I'm not outsourcing. I will have everything done internally. I own all the manufacturers, all the 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 the, the, the peripheral components are all made by and owned by a Ford Motor Company uh, um, conglomerate or or, or 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 affiliate. At any rate, so but trucks are different. Trucks are made. If I understand correctly, there's a company that makes rear ends. There's a company that makes frame rails. There's a, I mean, it's come as, almost like it's a la carte. So take us through the process of how a truck is built. Okay. Um, say a Peterbilt or a Kenworth would be a component truck. Okay. They don't make the engines. They don't make the transmissions. They don't make the rear ends. They basically make um, a cab, hood, fenders. And then they build on that. So, of course, that comes with a frame, but then you can source out your rear ends, your rear end sizes, your suspension, air ride, spring ride. Um, there's even torsion bar ride. Not anymore. <laughs> uh, then your size of your front end. So you, you, you kind of build things. You've got to spec it out. Uh, your wheel size, your tire size. Um that leads to transmission, um, five-speed, eight-speed, ten-speed, thirteen-speed, uh, eighteen-speed, twenty-speed. Wow! <laughs> and even sometimes they put combinations of transmissions um, in there, <clears throat> and then that leads you to finally the motor, which <clears throat> um, at one time there were many manufacturers of diesel engines that. Um, from a Cummings to a Detroit to a Caterpillar. Um, there was um, Deutz, Buda, Doug. You can help me on this. <laughs> Mercedes. Oh, you're done, you're done. Volvo. 
Mac or no man, 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 M A N N. Diesel, yeah, not in this country, but in other parts of the world. Right. Um, so, so you know, those were component trucks. In the other hand, Mac was the Ford of trucks. They made the motor, they made the transmission, they made the rear ends, and uh, their own suspension as well. So, in the pecking order of trucks. Okay, so let's just say in the United States, and I'm going to say this because I'm partial to Ford. So Ford trucks are number one, period. And then, you know, some people might argue Dodge because of the Cummins, and then, you know, Chevrolet because of that Japanese or Chinese-made Duramax, whatever they put in that thing. Um, they're a slacker, what we call it. But anyway, uh, but the uh, – so, so in the truck world, is Mac like the truck – would you say? Um, around around our shop, it's our preferred truck. Truck to have. Okay. Um, because you know, you see, and then here's the thing. Another question I have: I see a Peterbilt and a Kenworth going down the road. They almost look identical. I can't tell them apart until I see the grill. Are they are they the same? See, in other words, in the automobile industry, there's a lot of consolidation going on, and there's the same thing going on in the parts end of it. Okay, so now we don't even know who's what, where, and when, and they're just reaching out here in a bin, grabbing this, throwing it in the air, and to grab this one, we'll throw it over there, and then you know, it's so it's kind of confusing because the consumer doesn't really know. Those of us in the industry, you know, as hobbyists or as mechanics or dealers or whatever, or appraisers, you know, we kind of know what's going on a little bit. But for the for the purposes of the show and for the listeners, you know, how does it basically work? In 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 the and I mean, is there a lot of consolidation going on, Doug, in this in the trucking industry? There is certainly an increase in consolidation. Absolutely, um, you know the Packard companies, uh, Kenworth and, and Peterbilt. Yes, they share a lot of information between the two brands. Uh, share a lot of parts between the two brands. Um, you know, I call them you know generic trucks. They're component trucks. Um, the the other component trucks are the you know the it's changed over the past 10 years because of the elimination of Caterpillar diesel engines available to the trucks, uh, truck manufacturers, uh, you know, left Cummins as the independent supplier. So Cummins is the predominant supplier of truck engines? If you don't want a brand specific. So if you get a Peterbilt or a Packard, you're getting a choice. I think now of their Packard engine. I don't know that they're even adding Cummins anymore. Really? Um, a Freightliner, Western Star, uh, is basically the Detroit diesel engine. So they've they've become their own supplier of of power because they don't share it with the other manufacturers now. Um, it you know Mac had always had always been. <coughs> Mac power, you know, Mac balanced design, the engine, transmission, rears, designed and built to work together. Um, in 2001, Volvo bought Renault. Renault was the main shareholder of Mac. And the oh, really? purchase kind of changed into making the Volvo powertrain and Mac powertrain, you know, based on the same block engine basics. Uh, now through the years has eliminated transmissions. So now you have the M drive, I shift Mac transmission, Volvo transmission, uh, rears have remained unchanged, but I'm sure that's going to be a matter of time. But 
But yes, there is absolutely consolidation going into the uh, truck industry, uh, for better or worse. Okay. JoJo, you mentioned 8-speed, 10-speed, 13-speed, 18-speed, 20-speed. Tell me under what circum... I mean, I get it a little bit, but when you go from like a 13 to 18 to 20, does this have to do with the weight of the loads? Is that why we need that many gears? I mean, that's got... When you think about shifting 20 gears... You don't necessarily use them all the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm okay. thinking you're pretty busy. Um, yes. But yes. there is that rule of thumb. That you need. <laughs> um, rule of thumb is, you know, more gears is typically better. Um, okay, so that, wait a minute. Before you go any further, you're the driver. You're the trucker. And you're in traffic. And you're driving. And you got all these gears you got to deal with. When do you use all these gears, or is it mostly when you're out on the road? Well, again, um, it depends on your load, what you're doing, where you are. You know, on a hill, you'll use more gears than on a on a downslope. You know, you can skip a few and, and just use what you need. But, you know, going uphill with a heavy load, it's always good to have a close gear. Okay. So we're, and, there, and then if I, because I had an old F700 that had a two speed in it and I had a, a split thing, I'd have to shift one, two, three. But in between, I'd be pulling up on this little lever. It's been a while. I can't remember exactly, but it was something like that. So yep. is that kind of the way it works with you? So it's basically like it's not really 20 gears, it's like 10, but you split it because you pull up on the lever and it has yeah, gear reduction. You have five, five, okay. five, and then you, um, there's an auxiliary in the back half of the transmission that gives you another range of the first five gears. Give us an idea. Now, does 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 the difference in transmissions, do they affect, does this affect the mileage, good or bad? Is there an um, advantage there to having more gears, less gears? It depends on your horsepower and, and where you're running. You know, if you're running in the mountains, more gears is better because... You know, you don't lose the momentum going up a hill to grab the next gear. Um, if you're your flat ratio. like you're in Florida, okay, um, you probably don't need that wide selection. Doug, tell us about the automatics. A lot of truckers don't like them, but some do. I mean, a traditional trucker doesn't like them. That's so I'm told. But what's what's the real deal on the automatics? Well. Um, <laughs> They're auto. These new ones are auto shift. They're a they're a manual transmission that shifts itself. Oh really? Um, yes. Like hydraulic, like on a or like air shift, like on a motorcycle or something like that. Yeah, air controlled. Okay. Uh, electronic over air controlled, essentially. Um, the you know I've driven some of the new Max, the 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 M drive transmission. As much as I want to hate it, <laughs> uh, it really does work well. Okay. In a in a new truck. I'm not going to stay down the road. It, it, it's a computerized thing. You know, it's, I'm not a fan of anything computerized. Okay. But um, they do work well. They, what I've witnessed through the years is they, with, with the driver situation that we have going on over the past 15 or 20 years, where people are not learning how to drive a standard shift as their first vehicle, when they're 13 years old. Like we did when we were kids? Yes. <laughs> Three pedals? Yeah. So now you have people going through truck driving schools. 
that have never driven a standard shift vehicle. I can't believe that. Are you serious? Yeah. And then, oh yeah. Oh. God. And then you would take them out and you would put them in a in a in a thirteen speed or whatever and say, there you go. So, the auto shift. What I have witnessed was, it knows when to use the clutch, when not to use the clutch. It doesn't slip the clutch. It is easy on the drive line, so it's not dumping the clutch, you know, and, and breaking U joints and twisting drive shafts. It's Short not management. Or, yep, it's not. It's not messing with the clutch. It's it's really preserving the drive line for the owner of the truck by a driver who doesn't know <laughs> the <laughs> physics of a standard truck. Who probably shouldn't be driving a semi in the first place. I didn't say that. I know I did. I say I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What kind of mileage do these trucks get? The the standard shift versus the automatic. Typically, um, we had trucks side by side, same model, same motor, uh, doing the same job, and I was seeing three and four miles to the gallon on the automatic, and four and five on the standard. Per mile. Assumption. Per mile. Wow. Okay. So. Uh, is there anything you can do to increase the miles? I mean, people don't realize this, you know, because United States of America runs on trucking, okay? I mean, everything is moved. I mean, we have rail, but it's not used efficiently, like I think it should be. But trucks are out there. So almost all the products that we use, the, the clothes that I'm wearing, the shoes, my pen, my pencil, the mic, the radio, the computer, everything is brought in someplace via truck. So people don't realize that these trucks are on the road, and a, what's an average truck get? A million miles or more before an engine tear down, something like that. Uh, definitely five five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand, and you're rolling along at between three and five miles per gallon. Well, that's on the that's on the inner city. Uh, my particular trucks that I experience. Um, there are other ones that are closer to nine and ten. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Over the road yeah. trucks, they're they're getting you know seven, eight, nine, pushing ten miles a gallon. I'm going to throw this one at you. Comment on the deaf. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. No comment? Okay. So is EPA messing with the trucking industry as far as performance engines? And did that have anything to do with Cat saying, screw you, we're not building uh, uh, truck motors anymore? Definitely. Definitely. The, uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a little tale. Okay. His brother has triaxle dumps in central Pennsylvania. Bought a uh, new one in '15 in the fall of '15 or something like that. In May of '15, it went to the dealership because of the little light on the dash saying it needed serviced. Uh, went in May. Uh, now this dealer, he's in rural central Pennsylvania, so the dealer's an hour away. So back and forth, back and forth to go pick it up. He would get back on Interstate 80, and the light would come back on. Take it back to the dealer. So after five months of back and forth, the truck payments being due, the truck worked three weeks in that five months. Oh. Because, yep, all because of emissions controls that were never really perfected until they were put on the market. The payment, like I said, the payment was due, the insurance was due, and that truck isn't working. 
I think the bill came to $11,000 that he had to pay because it wasn't covered by warranty. And the ultimate decision was made that was wrong with that truck. They finally found the sensor that was that was malfunctioning that was $176. That's crazy. So five months worth of, you know, a truck being used for three weeks for an $11,000 bill, plus your payment, plus your insurance, and no income. $176, yeah, because and no income. $76 sensor would not show up on their diagnostic tools, would not do this, would not do that. They just throw parts at them and charge you. Crazy. JJ, there's a IG talks about this company in Atlanta or someplace in Georgia there that does something with chassis. They do something where you can retrofit, but now supposedly the government stepped in and stopped them from doing that so that you could basically retrofit an older motor into an older chassis so that you could basically bypass some of the CPA emissions nonsense. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, um, glider kits. Glider kits, that's it, yeah. Brand new truck with no motor, and then you put the motor in after. Right. And you were able to get a pre-admissions motor and serial number and put it in that truck and have basically a new truck with an old drivetrain. So now they put the kibosh to that. You can't do that. Yeah, as far as I know, that's all done. All right. Now, we got about uh, six or seven minutes left. So what I want to do real quick is I want, um, before we lead into the truck show this weekend, or in a couple of weeks here on February 17th, 18th, and 19th, um, Doug, tell us a little bit about the museum and what people could expect to find there when they when they go up there, about the, oh, uh, hey. the Mac um, Museum. It's Mac history all in one place. Uh, we have our, uh, the main thing that we do is support people with information. We have chassis build records that go back to 1900. Um, we have millions of photographs. We have documentation on every model Mac that was built. Website, MacTruckHistoricalMuseum.org. If you have a request for information, contact us through that website and we get, get you information. Okay. When we're open, we have 30-some trucks on display, and uh, like I said, right now we're going through renovations. We are updating, and when we do reopen, it's going to be really cool. Okay, and then tell us about the uh, Antique Truck Club of America, how people can find out more about that and what that entails briefly. AntiqueTruckClub.org. We were formed in 1971. We have our national meet in McCongee, Pennsylvania every year, which is the greatest antique truck show on earth. This past year, in 2021, we had uh, 935 antique trucks wow. on the field. Uh, antique truck flea market, that is to die for. It's, uh, it's uh, an antique truck family that gets together every year for their family reunion, and it is just a magical place. That, that nickname the greatest anti or the greatest anti truck show on earth did not come from us we didn't create that it was given to us by a person from australia who has traveled to different shows around the world and he said as, as long as he can make that show he will never miss it wow super all right jj tell us about the ninth annual truck show 
in Leesburg. Give us all the details. Okay. Um, ninth Annual Truck Show will be coming up shortly. Um, the biggest thing I need to say, all trucks. Just because we are the vintage trucks of Florida doesn't mean we want old trucks. It's for all trucks. It's a it's a three day event. Um, it's it's on a property that's very secured. There's no problem leaving trucks overnight um, for display. Um, again, it's it's a great event and looking to grow it and uh, expand. How many trucks do you figure you're going to have there this year? Uh, hopefully, we have well over a hundred. We okay. broke a hundred last year. We had a hundred and one trucks last year and. Uh, 2021 okay and we we look to increase that number again okay and then uh tell us about some of the, th the events that go on there now there's a swap meet for example right there's a swap meet there and then of course the big museum tell us about that yeah um at the location of the show has uh, the Paquette farm all tractor museum international farm all tractor museum um probably 300 or more pieces of international tractor history um a great collection that's part of the viewing uh, that's that's in addition to the in or the trucks show there are also the farm tractors okay um last year i know that because it's around a lake you had actually there was some fire trucks there which was kind of fun for the kids and they actually do uh what they 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 basically run the hoses in the lake. Muster, yeah, they they pump out of the lake and spray the water. Um, it's a it's a great event for firemen for practice to show what they're capable of. Um, we may not have as many fire trucks this year as we did last year because they're having their uh, national convention the week after in Kissimmee. Mm -hmm. um, but we should have some fire trucks as well okay and then there's going to be plenty of food concessions and things like that so people to, there's plenty of places to park so everybody should be okay there right yes yes and we invite all trucks okay uh now tell us about the uh so the uh, any peripheral events now tell us a little bit i understand there's gonna be a little drive down to the uh chrome shop why don't you go ahead and give them that uh, a little plug yeah we're 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 trying to get a group of the participants at the truck show to take their trucks um out on the open road and and um, take them down Route 44 to the 75 Chrome Shop and and uh, just spread their legs a little bit and turn the wheels. Okay, and the Chrome Shop. Tell everybody who the what the Chrome Shop is. 75 Chrome Shop is a place for all your trucking large trucking needs. It's like a candy store. Okay, uh, shiny shiny stuff, lights, shirts, hats. Um, it's a great resource right here off of 75 and 44 in Wildwood. Okay. And then once in a while, don't they actually do uh, a little uh, parade through downtown Leesburg? Um, we're, we have done that in the past, and um, being during the week, it wasn't a great uh, turnout, and so we're not doing that. You're not doing that this year. But okay. Hopefully That's we'll grow the uh, cruise to the Chrome Shop. It'll be just as good or better. Okay, super, super. All right, Doug, are you going to be there? Yes. You're going to be there. Good. All right, well, I look forward to meeting you. Headed down to sunny Florida, hopefully. Yeah, sunny, sunny Florida. That's where you go. Okay, so uh, one more time, JoJo, if people want to find out more about the uh, 9th Annual Truck Show, where do they go? 
VintageTrucksOfFlorida.com. Super. And Doug, if you want to find about the uh, Antique Truck Club of America and the museum, how do they go about finding that? AntiqueTruckClub.org for the Antique Truck Club of America and MacTruckHistoricalMuseum.org. Super. Well, I want to thank my very special guests, Doug and uh, Jojo. Thanks for hanging out with us here at Nostalgia Radio and Cars and sharing some cool stories about trucks and, and museums and, and truck shows. So uh, hopefully my listeners will be uh, scurrying over there this uh, next couple of weeks uh, and uh, checking out the trucks because uh, pretty fascinating. The next time, we're going to have to have you guys back on again sometime because I did want to kind of talk a little bit about the trucking situation that's going on right now. And uh, But... We're out of time, but I want to thank you guys very much and uh, look forward to seeing you guys and meeting you guys both up at uh, the ninth Annual Truck Show in Leesburg. Hey, without truck, Old trucks are fun. Stop. Yes, they are. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgia Game Cars. Don't forget, check us out here every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports and music. we got some musical guests lined up here in the next couple of weeks. More automotive guys coming on and some really fascinating legendary guys coming on as well. And uh, don't forget to check out our website. Follow us on what's our social media stuff, Bobby? I think it's a Facebook thingy and a Twitter thingy and an Instagram thingy and a LinkedIn thingy. Oh, yeah. And yeah, a YouTube. Yeah. And a YouTube. Yeah, yeah, right. we got all that stuff. Anyway, so, on that note, I want you guys to get out and drive. You know, hey, have respect for truckers. Don't forget that. Those guys are moving our goods every day. So, you know, and there's a lot of stuff. And you got to get behind them and support these guys. And I want to see you guys out in your cars. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.